called the Oculus 2. It's a uh, virtual reality gaming system, and they have some great videos of me looking really dumb. Um, I'll, just, I'll just lead with that. And uh, it, I, it wasn't great for me. Uh, I didn't do well with it. But my son goes, hey, Dad, uh, you, you don't have to just play games with it. You can go on YouTube, and they have these 360 videos that you can, you can go, and in, in a virtual setting, you can visit these different places. And I said, cool. Well, I'll go to Jerusalem. I want to see Jerusalem and, and uh, see what it's like there virtually. So that's what I did. And uh, it was cool. And you look all around, and it's like you're right there, and, but you're not. <laughs> I've been to Jerusalem, and some things that were missing were smells and language and food and uh, relationships and education. And, like, I, miss, I, I, was, I would have missed out on a lot of things if my choices were visit virtually or I could visit in per- person and I chose to be there virtually, I would be settling for something less. And I just want to say that settling for something less is a human condition. We do it all the time. Uh, Maybe it's not a virtual reality situation, but we settle for less in many ways. That there is God's plan, and there is our plan. And somewhere (laughs) away from God's plan, we often settle. And it happens in a variety of ways. Uh, One of those ways, for example, is with pornography. People will settle for pornography when God's plan is marital intimacy. That's God's plan, but there is a settling for something way less than what God has in mind. It happens in a variety of ways. It happens online where you know, we can troll one another and we can make comments and, and stay, uh, stay anonymous in some cases and make these comments. Now, that's not the way that communication was intended. That's not the way that relationships were supposed to be. We settle for less. And it happens a lot of ways and a lot of scenarios. And the challenge for us today is to not settle for less. Now, here's not what I'm saying. I am not saying that this is your best life now and you have to embrace it. That's not where we're going today with this. I'm not saying that this is about name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, the prosperity gospel. That's not what we're talking about today. But what we are going to talk about is what is God's plan? What is he offering and the life that he's offering to us? And are we receiving it or are we settling for something less? That's the challenge as we jump in to Genesis chapter 11 today. But before we go there, would you join me as we pray? Lord God, we need you and we thank you and praise you because you are indeed good all the time. We need you. And even today we recognize that we're not that far removed from those who started the tower in Babel. That they're settling for something less is something that is still true today. And not just in the world, but often sometimes even in the church. And so, Lord, as we enter into this time, I ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand that if there are some areas in our own lives where we are settling for less than your plan, that you would forgive us. That you would help us to see it. And to embrace your plan, no matter how difficult that is at times. 
recognizing that there will be times when we have to walk alone and that walk is lonely. That there are some times when that walk leads us to Calvary and picking up our own cross. And Lord, that's a painful place. So, Lord, in all of these things, we ask that we wouldn't settle. We ask that you would be exalted and that you would be lifted up even here today. And it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Uh, We're in Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 is where we're going. And it's a story you may be familiar with. It's the Tower of Babel. And um, many times when we think of the Tower of Babel, we may think of something similar to this. Uh, the, the tower, uh, most likely and, and most agree, was a ziggurat and looked more like this. Now, there are some things that you may want to know about this ancient structure. A, a ziggurat was generally filled in. There wasn't an interior to a ziggurat. They were stepped like this, and many steps that led to the top from our perspective, but really those steps lead to the bottom because this is, for lack of a better term, an elevator. And it's supposed to reach up to the God of that city for that God to come down. You'll notice in this particular picture that there is a large room at the top that's for the deity to um, sleep, eat. I don't know, maybe deity... Those in that town had to sleep, I guess. I don't know. That's weird. Um, But it was a place for them to rest. It was a place for them to eat. And then there are stairs that lead down. They would come down. That was not an area of worship. It It was not for common use. It was specifically intended for the deity of that specific town. At the base or at the bottom, somewhere nearby, was a place for worship. So the idea is that the deity would come down and go into the temple and be worshipped in that place. And these, these structures had unique names. They're names like the house of the foundation of heaven and earth, or the house of the link between heaven and earth, or the temple to, uh, the, temple to, to the stairway of pure heaven. Those are some of the names of ancient ziggurats, Some archaeologists believe that these ziggurats are at least in part similar to or a copy of the Tower of Babel. And so as as we look at this, it's important for us to understand that the intention of these structures, these towers, was for the God of that city to come down, to spend time with people, to be worshipped, for gifts to be given, and for that, that deity to also have uh, this separated area that was uniquely for that God. That was the purpose. With that in mind, we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 11. We're going to look at it, we're going to walk through it together, and we're going to identify some, some areas where the, those that constructed, that put together, that engineered this tower, where they settled. And it's really subtle, really subtle. But let's not miss it. We're in Genesis chapter 11, starting in verse 1. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to open it, get your highlighter pen ready. We're going to underline and highlight some stuff as we go. And starting in verse 1, this is what it says. Uh, Actually, before I go there, I should say one more thing. (laughs) Thanks for being gracious. I appreciate it. 
Uh, but it, here's the other thing. This is happening after the flood. So uh, there was a civilization before the flood. The, the flood took all of that out. Uh, Noah, along with his sons and their families, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, are starting new. Uh, this, this is a new start. And this, at least in cor- according to the scriptures, is the first city after the flood. Okay, now we can go. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. So they used the same words the same way. Makes sense. Verse 2. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. Let's stop. They have been called at this point from Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis 9. They have been called to fill the earth, to have oversight over the earth. They're not supposed to cluster. They're supposed to spread out. But in this setting, they have clustered. They have come together. And we're going to see a little bit more about that in verse 3 and following. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Now, again, nothing wrong with what is happening right now. Uh, this isn't even necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it, it could be that they're coming together to build a city. That, that could be bad. But that they're, that they're focused on deity, that they're building something for a God, isn't necessarily a bad thing at this moment. Let's keep looking in verse 4. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. Underline, highlight, bold, uh, that make a name for ourselves. Because... Empowered by the Holy Spirit, as this is being written down, we get to see the heart motivation of this tower. (laughs) It's not the altruistic purpose of celebrating the God of the city, but rather making a name for themselves. This pattern has been practiced throughout history on individual levels and corporate levels for cities and for nations, for organizations, and I'll even say for churches at times. Make a name for ourselves, lest lest we be dispersed dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Continuing on. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. Which is pretty interesting because that's exactly the purpose of the tower, is for the deity to come down. And that's what we see happen in verse 5. Verse 6, and the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they purpose to do will now be impossible for them. And we look at that on this side of eternity, and we think, that's not so bad. I mean, isn't it good that people are working together? Isn't it good that they're accomplishing things and stuff and that they seem to be doing it unified? That's a good thing, right? Wrong. Because what we're seeing is that there is a, uh, a tip of the hat to God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we worship a God. That's great. That's great. That's great. But really, it's about building our, our, ourselves. It's about making a name for us. It's stopping short in many ways Uh, of what God has his best plan. 
It's settling. And we see it uh, in a very real way right here. What are they settling for? Instead of going to worship this God, the creator of all, of setting aside something sacred for him, they want to make a name for themselves. They want people with fear and trembling to know them, to know who they are. Verse 7 and 8, look at God's response. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. They didn't quite finish what they had planned. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. The, the word Babel is associated with the word for confused. And that's what we see. There are these opportunities to follow God, just like in the garden. Do you remember in the garden where, where God said, here is this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of its fruit. But in that place, after being tempted, Eve does eat of the fruit. And when she does, she takes it out. She takes good and evil out of the hands of God and redefines it. I can decide what is good and what is evil. Adam can decide what is good and what is evil. We don't need God for that. But immediately we see mistakes. And there's confusion in that place. And that movement continues throughout humanity anytime they're at the crossroads and they choose fear. They choose redefining good and evil instead of obediently following God in his plan. And we see it in this moment at Babel. But I would say that these truths and these principles cross-pollinate from from culture and time and reach us where we're at today, and these things are still true. That we get to these places of, okay, am I going to be obedient to the Lord and his plan, or am I going to redefine what is good and what is evil? And when we do, there will always be confusion. I'll give you an example. Maybe multiple. We'll see. One example. This happens to me often where a young person will come into my office and they'll say, I'm thinking about getting married, Pastor. And I go, that's great. God has ordained marriage. He has a great plan for marriage. That's wonderful. Tell me about the situation. Well, I'm, I'm dating somebody. Oh, yeah, well, that's good, because if you're going to get married, you actually do have to date somebody for that to work. And they agree. And I say, well, well, tell me about this person. And they say, well, you know, they really love me, and they're really great, and they're dreamy, and everything is going to be perfect. And, you know, we kind of get through all of that stuff. And I say, yeah, well, tell me about their walk. Well, they grew up in church. And I go, okay. Well, that's good. And I say, well, tell me about their devotional life. What do you mean? Well, when is the last time they've read the Bible? Well, uh, I don't know if they've ever done that. Oh. Uh, Do they pray with you? Uh, No. Okay. So so what are you doing? I really want to be married, and I really want to honor God. Well, you're not going to in this setting. Something has to change. This person needs to uh, grow in their walk with the Lord or maybe even find the Lord before this marriage takes place. Pastor Kenny, I don't like that. I, I don't either, but that's the word of God, and that's how it works. 
And if we're going to be obedient to the word of God, then we've got to do the hard stuff. And sometimes that's going to be being lonely. But often, it doesn't matter. And they go ahead and they get married. And then we have this situation. Kids come up in this home. And they look at one side and they go, oh, they love the Lord. And they're, they're faithful. And they follow God. And they love God. And this parent does not. And these children are, sat there, are, are standing there with confusion. They're at that place of Babel. It doesn't make sense. Why? Because God has a plan and he's defined what is good and evil. And sometimes we like to take that and we like to, we like to change it. We like to redefine it. We want to make it into our own image. We want to build something up where we are lifted up and not God. And in those places, it's a place of confusion. It's a place of pain. It's, it's also seen, as I hinted at earlier, in, in pornography. I mean, uh, the numbers are ridiculous. Of, of people who say uh, that they, they are regularly watching pornography online, the numbers for guys are somewhere around 90% of those who share it, who say they do. Yikes. So what am I saying? I'm saying that there is this the settling for something less than God's plan by looking at pornography, by engaging in pornography, whereas God has this, uh, this marital intimacy in mind, but often people settle for something much less. And there's confusion and wounding that happens in that place. Now, I say those things recognizing that I'm in a room uh, with a group of people who any one of those things may be true for a number of you. My intention is not to embarrass you. My intention is not to humiliate. My intention is simply to identify the truth of the situation. And you may be in that spot where, oh, okay, actually, I'm that person that married. Uh, I'm that person who has looked at, engaged in pornography. Here's the good news, it's always a good time for repentance. Always. What does that look like? Well, I'm not saying divorce. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I am saying is, God, I've, I've failed you in this area, and I want to follow you. I want to walk in your blessings. And so, Lord, forgive me for redefining good and evil. Forgive me for taking it in my own hands. It's in that place of repentance that God meets us, that God has a plan, and that plan is a good plan, and he meets us in that place of repentance. And that's a beautiful thing. Let's keep looking at this. Because at the Tower of Babel, we see some things that start to come out. Uh, These are echoes, as we talked about uh, from previous sermon, echoes of things that happened in the garden. Remember that Eve saw the tree, that it was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, that it was desired to make one wise. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And if we want to generalize those categories, it's satisfaction, significance, and security. And those places are always a settling for God's best. Like Instead of God's best, we're settling for something else. It's been infecting humanity since the garden, and nothing has changed on this side of the flood. Nothing. We have to watch out for it. In this particular situation uh, for 
those who were building the Tower of Babel, they settled for the land. Like God said, go everywhere. Nope, I'm just, I'm settling for this speck. What? You can have it all. Like, go everywhere. Steward this land. Let creation know that there is a God and that he cares for them and that he uniquely uses those image bearers to do that. Now we're going to settle here. Uh, There was a plan that God had. And they diverted. And in that place, they settled. There was a specific way that God wanted them to go about it. But they chose to do it their own way. They, They settled. And it's still a problem today that we have to be so cautious and so careful in. With that in mind, what I'd like to do is kind of back up and look at this story from a little different perspective. I want to look at the intention of humanity in it and the outcome that God gives. Let's take a look at that. So as they, as they gather together, they want to build a tower and a city. That's their goal. That's, that's a part of their unity. But what happens is God causes them to abandon the city. At the end of that passage that I just read, remember they have to leave their city. Wow, they can't even communicate together anymore. They have to leave the plan. But that's the whole purpose they got together. Yeah, that's a bad purpose to get together, or at least the wrong one. Secondly, they want to gather to avoid being scattered. Oh, just us four and no more, right? It's these holy huddles. No, we don't want anybody else. And God's saying, no, 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 you're supposed to go out. (laughs) This isn't the time for gathering. This is the time to go out. What happens? Well, God scatters the people. They want to build a tower, this amazing monument for God to come down, these amazing staircases that they put together. God didn't need that. God visits in judgment. They want to make a great name for themselves. And the city is called Babel. It's a place of confusion. That's, it. That's how we remember that city. Babel. It's confusion. Does this still happen today? Absolutely. But I want to look at God because God is he's weaving his message throughout humanity. He's interacting with people individually and corporately at the national level and at the individual level and uh, organizationally at that level. And, and uh, uh, with respect to families, he's meeting family units as well. All of that is true as he's weaving his message through, throughout our history. It's God's story. And so let's consider that for a moment. Uh, the first thing is that, that we, when we look at God through this, we recognize that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. There are some consequences. But God has a plan in all of these things. And, and God is sovereign. He is working that plan out. Isn't it an interesting thing that we see this city being developed? And what is the goal? Well, for their name to be lifted up. But in the end of the scriptures... We see a different city that comes together, and the name of God is lifted up in that place. It's a gathering for every nation, for every language, for every tribe, and they're gathered in this holy city where God is lifted up. It's like the right type of of city, and we see it in God's sovereign work. That only comes through the work of Jesus, by the way. In other words, that is not just for for anybody all the time, 
in one sense. In other words, there has to be a yielding to God, a response to Jesus, the one who saves us. And we see that this God is actually gracious by not allowing this tower and the city to develop at this time. And as we move to that idea of graciousness, we see it fulfilled in a few different ways. In the next chapter, Genesis chapter 12, we're going to meet a guy named Abram. And the blessing of God is going to go to him to bless all nations. That all nations would get to know this God by seeing God at work with Abram and his descendants. And we'll see that. It's also a a paradigm where we see people of faith engaging with God and how God moves in those places that there actually is a blessing associated with following God. We'll see that in, in Genesis chapter 12 and following, but then we see it in the New Testament when God doesn't need a tower to come down, that he actually comes down of his own volition and dwells among us that he walks with us in these places that we don't have to settle for uh, sacrifice, uh, for sacrificial animals. We don't need the blood of animals to cover our sins. We need a God who is willing to fulfill what he said, what he promised way back when, and to take the sin away, that we would have a right relationship with him. And then we see that ultimately fulfilled, as I said, in Revelation, where God creates this wonderful city that is available for all who know him and who walk with him, regardless of language. He's not bound by that. Regardless of tribe, he's not bound by that. And God brings us together in him. And so as we consider these things, the question that I have to ask is this, are we settling? Are there some things that we're settling for? In other words, are we redefining what is good and what is evil and we're calling that good? I'll give you an example. I started Um, listening to a podcast recently called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Mars Hill is a church in Seattle. Uh, Mark Driscoll is the pastor there. Incredible ministry, multi-campuses, around 15,000 people associated with this church. And the impact on Seattle was pretty significant. And then one day, they just closed. They closed after Mark Driscoll resigned uh, due to some allegations of uh, abuse of staff and power. They resigned, uh, it, it closed because, uh, in part, they were trying to lift up the name of Mars Hill and not the name of Jesus above Mars Hill. Again, those aren't my words. <laughs> those, are, those are people who were there uh, who are responding even, even as early as uh, uh, a month and a half ago to this allegation. These things are still happening, and and we're at a crossroads as a church, as families, as individuals. And what are we going to do? Will we settle, or will we choose faith? Will will we choose to follow God in these places? The worship team is going to come out here in just a moment. And as they come out, this this is a great time for us to consider this very issue of settling. Because I'm going to use a different word for settling. It's called sin. Sin is any time that we decide to do our own thing instead of following God. What God calls good and evil, and when we redefine it and live that out, that's, that's sin. And that sin is what separates us from God. It's the reason that God came in the flesh. 
It's the reason that he died on the cross. It's the reason that uh, he rose from the grave. It's the reason that he gives life to anybody who would call on him. And when we come together for communion, that's in part what we're remembering. Throughout church history, a name that has been used for communion, for the Lord's Supper, has been Eucharist. And that's generally associated with more liturgical churches. But I like the term Eucharist, and here's why. It means thanksgiving. And we come to a place together when we're worshiping, and we see that there are some areas in our lives where we've settled. And so here's what we do. Call out to God. God, I've sinned against you. Lord, would you forgive me? We, we need to confess what that sin is, I believe. I think that helps us to identify that anchor in our life that that sin has, to confess it. Lord, forgive me. I need you to help me. It's a weakness of mine. We're turning away from that sin and we're following God, doing what he calls good and evil, doing what he calls good. We shouldn't do what he calls evil, just so we're clear there. And thanking God for his provision. That's why we come together for communion. How we practice that here right now, we'll be doing it a few different ways in the days to come. But today, we'll continue with those on this side. We go to this station and those on this side go to that station. And we encourage you to uh, come down the carpeted areas and return on the outside. But before you do that, what we're asking today is for you to pause before the Lord and say, one, am, am I a follower of Jesus? Or have I, have I settled for something less? Have I called myself a Christian because I attend a church or do I really follow Jesus? Have I settled for the world's wisdom or do I get in the word of God and go, yeah, I am going to do that because this is the the word of God and these are the principles that I want to live by and I want to follow God and, and bless him. Or are we trying to make a name for ourselves and settle for something less than God has in store? At the end of a time of examining your heart and that's up to you. Whenever you have the peace of God to move forward, we encourage you to go to the tables and get both the cup and the bread and return to your seat. And in a few moments, we'll participate together. It's a beautiful time of remembering the work of Jesus and that we still need him today. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, I I first of all want to ask for forgiveness for those times we've settled when we've settled for something less than you have planned, when we've settled for, I don't know, Lord, a, a variety of things. We've, we've settled for cheap imitations of your best plan. We've, we've settled for relationships that could be healed and whole, and we've been passive-aggressive, or we've ignored it completely, or we've been mean-spirited and dominated. Lord, would you forgive us? Almighty God, would you have your way in our hearts that would be united in you and follow you in obedience. And Lord, as we come together, we can't help but to think of the cross. And that juxtaposed to the idea of what happened at the Tower of Babel, that they wanted a a God to come down, a God to worship, but so that they would be, their names would be great. Lord, you came down and you dwelt among us because you are great. And we celebrate you even now. And it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. Amen. Feel free to 
Move from your spot as soon as you have the peace of God to do so.